Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network, now the largest new media platform on the web, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's MasterChef After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show, it's AfterBuzz TV's MasterChef After Show. That's right. This is the AfterBuzz TV MasterChef After Show. And as you can see, I am the only one here. And I am taking over your After Show right now. I'm sorry, Kyle Kittison. I'm sorry, Tracy Probst. But it's just me tonight. And in honor of that, I am having a beer, watching MasterChef, and talking about it. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I am, of course, Stephen Lemieux, the host for the evening for the episode 17, Chefs Compete. This is another great episode from Season 5 of MasterChef. It opens up... On the beach, with a nice, relaxing atmosphere for competition. So, we open up with um, this wedding, and everyone's like wondering, what's this going to be? And, of course, I mean, Courtney's like, oh my god, it's a wedding, because you're on a beach, there's white chairs everywhere, there's... decor. It looks like a wedding. If you didn't know it was a wedding, come on, it's a wedding. Um, they have to develop a menu with an appetizer of scallops and an entree with sea bass, which, as we know, sea bass, I'm surprised about... Uh, looking back in the future in this episode, that sea bass did not get messed up as much as I thought it would, because sea bass can be a bitch to cook sometimes. A lot of people can get it stuck to the pan and ruin it. So, surprisingly enough, they did a really good job with the sea bass tonight. But the teams are chosen by the winners of the donut challenge, where they jump through some hoops or some donut rings on last episode to emerge victorious, and that would be Francis L., of course, who we know is known for his plating promising and aptitude for making things look great. And Leslie, who is actually kind of like, everyone hates him, but he's actually a really good cook. So I don't know why everyone's just kind of teaming up on this guy, but he's kind of an ass. So I guess I do kind of know why people are teaming up on him. Leslie, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I don't mean that, but you know what I mean. It's it's reality TV, so we got to take it as the editors give it. And they're totally making you the villain right now. So that song in the beginning, Darth Vader's March, was definitely a little bit for you emerging victorious through this episode as well. So the teams are Francis L. gets Big Willie, hell yeah, Courtney L., uh, Cutter, Victoria, Elizabeth, Dan Wu, and Elise, who is still in the competition as... I co-hosts would prefer her not to be, but I'm like, you know what? All right, I'll take it. And then Leslie has Christian, who made the Amazing Shrimp and Grits last episode. Francis B., who has been a very good frontrunner through this entire competition. Uh, Tyler, don't know too much about him. Uh, Daniel, we don't know too much about. Christine, don't know too much about. And Aaron, which he pronounces Iron, which was <laughs> just ridiculous. And she is just so pissed off that she has chosen on her team because right before he chooses her, 
She's like, I just, the one person I don't want to be on a team is, 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 is Leslie. I just hate him. He's an asshole. I don't like that guy. It's like, okay, but you got to be on a team with one or two guys. And even if somebody else wasn't picking, you'd probably be on Leslie's team anyway. So, I mean, why can't you just work with anyone? Cause trust me, you get to the real world, you work in a kitchen, you're going to be working some, with some major assholes. Trust me, I know. And, uh, he also has Jordan on his team, which is, a person, he's a very young chef, he's 19 years old, we haven't had too much, they've mentioned him before in the previous uh, episodes, but we haven't mentioned him too many times, but this episode is really kind of his story, um, not really a story, but it just kind of puts him in the forefront with how the producers decided to tell the story this episode. So, what they're doing is they're making a menu, and uh, right away, I mean, you look at these teams, you look at the team that Francis has, and you look at the team that Leslie has, okay, so Francis is passionate about plating, making good appearing, like food look good. Um, he's had some weird dishes, but he's had some fairly really good tasting dishes. So his team was Big Willie. Big Willie, front runner. Amazing. Okay. Leslie gets a chance to choose somebody else and he doesn't go for Courtney. I know he doesn't like Courtney, but if you're going to choose like a, a strong team, you want to go for the front runners first because you want your team to be the winner of the competition. You shouldn't be bringing personal bullcrap into it, which... I just don't even understand at this point when it's a competition, you need to be a lot smarter about that. Um, Big Willie, which as we all know is amazing. Courtney L, front runner. Cutter, you know, he's not really a front runner, but he's shown some solid skill with meats and things like that, so I can't even really blame him. Dan Wu was one of the last people to be chosen. I still think Dan Wu's gonna pull himself out in this, in this, in this show. I think he'll go pretty far. We just haven't really gotten his episode. Then we get Leslie's team, which is very, it's not really the personalities. Does that make sense? I mean, there there's a lot of people on the team and there's good cooks on the team. I mean, you look at you look at Aaron who did very well and of course this is a seafood challenge, like basically is it's scallops and sea bass. So you have someone who won the seafood challenge be on your team and she's last to be picked. That's kind of or one of the last to be picked. That's kind of weird to me, but okay, but she's I don't know, like, she's a fairly good cook, so that's kind of a strong competitor, but she also has that attitude, which can be very detrimental when you're in a very high-stress situation. You're depending on somebody to lead, and when she already hates Leslie as a leader, that's on her, though. You, If he's a leader, you gotta obey him, you gotta do the job right. Uh, Francis B., really great chef, but he doesn't really have that comical personality, so it makes sense that he wouldn't go with Francis's team, but I thought he would go better with Leslie. I thought he'd be more on Leslie's state of mind for the show, but as we see later, is is not the case. Christine, we don't really know about. Jordan is the 19-year-old, and Tyler, I can't really remember too much about at all. And then Christian is the soulful, soulful, soulful soul food cook, who I'm loving that shrimp and grits. I mean, you, you won my heart with that. So the menu... Francis making a arugula papaya jicama salad with pan-fried scallops, and uh, Victoria is the one on scallops, and they're also doing a lemongrass puree sea bass with a, um, it was a beurre blanc sauce, which if you do not know what a beurre blanc sauce is, it is a, it's kind of like a hollandaise, it's like a light buttery sauce that you have with a, with a reduction of like vinegar or wine, it's, it's very light, it's kind of, it's not as thick as hollandaise, it, Basically, when you do it with sea bass, when you're doing it with, like, a white fish that's very delicate and has, like, a very flaky and buttery texture, it just enhances the flavor without overpowering the flavor of the fish. So it's actually a really good, um, 
really good pairing for, for a white fish like that. And then we have Leslie, who is, I don't even really have his menu really written down here because it's kind of all over the place when they were explaining it. Uh, he was making scallops with a pea avocado puree and fennel on top or on bottom or on the side or whoever knows because nobody seems to really know. But, I mean, it turns out, well, in the end, all the dishes really looked good. And then sea bass, all I have in my notes is, uh, uh. So I think we find out later that the sea bass is... Uh, sea bass with spicy broccolini and a cucumber fennel tomato salad. But um, anyway, so we get to the wedding. This is a Mike and Joplin wedding. Congratulations, Mike and Joplin, on your marriage. Wish you many, many years. 120 guests to this wedding. That is a fairly large beach wedding. Everybody's going to have sand in their shoes. All right, so we get a we get a nice little fight with Leslie and Aaron fighting about telling her what to do. Look, I'm sorry, Aaron. He might be an ass in the way he says things, but like, I gotta, I gotta say, like, you gotta realize that if he's in the lead, you gotta obey what he says. Like, you can't backtalk. If everybody backtalks the leader, nothing gets done. And that kind of seems what was going on. In your person, everyone on the red team's personality was getting in the way of actually getting things done. Because as Leslie might have been kind of ground and confused, at the same time, it also falls back on the teammates to communicate and be able to communicate with the person who's leading. Because it's not all on him that he couldn't communicate with you guys. It's more on you. Because if he tells you something and you disrespect him and don't care what he's saying, then nothing's going to get done. Because, honestly, I can't stand it when you have a team of people who can't work together solely because of their personal issues. I'm sorry, there's, at, there's work and then there's when you're outside of work. You, I've worked with people I cannot stand. I've worked with people that I wanted to punch in the face, and I've worked with people that I've gotten physical alterations with. Not at work. But when you're at work, all that stuff goes to the sidelines. You don't bring it into the competition, you don't bring it into work, and you don't bring it in the kitchen. So that just showed such a level of unprofessionalism on the red team. When these people, they're complaining about Leslie, but at the same time, it's it's partially on them for their lack of respect for him, that they won't listen to him, and you can't control a t kitchen of people who will not listen to you. And that's all I'm saying about that, because I think Leslie kind of got the short end of the stick on this team, and I don't know why the hell he picked him. Come on, Leslie. I mean, you should have gotten Big Willie. What is wrong? Why? Big Willie chewed you on at the end, Leslie. You should know that you can get Big Willie, and he would have been a great asset to your team. Anyway, so Daniel decides, hey, I'm going to do something to turn this around. I'm going to do a mutiny, but I'm going to kind of sit back and let uh, Francis B. take it because that's what somebody who stirs the pot does. Good job stirring the pot and then kind of, uh, you know, kind of throwing, not really throwing him under the bus, but at the end, really, like when, when Francis is the one who has to compete and you're the one who kind of pushed Francis into that role. And I kind of knew it off the bat when you go to that point when if you're going to mutiny and select a new leader... Your new leader needs to have everything ready to go. Like, you're, he needs to be like, all right, well, we're going to win this now because of me. We're not going to lose this now because of me. Because then you have a switch in leadership, and then you lost anyway. And now all of the blame that could have been on Leslie for failing is now on you for failing. Even though when it might not really be your fault, it's kind of on you now. So you gotta you got to deal with that. Um, the first thing Francis does is cancel the starch, which is 
you know, at the time, it seems like a good idea because they're behind. They need to scrap the potatoes and eat because potatoes take a while to cook. You got to boil them. Uh, I don't even know how they're preparing them. But yeah, you got to you got to cook the potatoes. You got to skin the potatoes. You got to make them well. And if nobody knows how to make them well or you can't just designate one person to do it because you need their help with something else, then, yeah, it's a good call to scrap the potatoes. But as we find out later, you have a fish and broccolini. You have a vegetable with a very light fish. You are not going to be full from that. You're going to have a, you're going to have 60 guests at a wedding who eat their fish, eat their broccolini and are wondering where's the next course. They're not going to be full at all from that. So, and I got I got to say to to Leslie though, honestly on this, on this one, you know, you 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 took a step back and you're like, "Okay, all I want to do is win the competition. I don't care if Francis takes over the kitchen. I don't care if uh as long as we win, I do not care what happens." And you know what? You did a good job cooking the scallops, Leslie, because obviously we didn't have any problems with that. I think there was it was blue team that had a few cold scallops and not red team. But this is Master Chef. And I don't think they were as hard on you as they should have been for this one part because you can't you're given a leadership position and this is master chef this isn't team chef this isn't hey let's be friends forever chef this is master chef and if you cannot run a kitchen and you need to just and you don't mind if somebody else takes over you're basically saying this person is a better chef than you that's basically what that says about you so if you're going to let somebody take that role from you and you're not even going to fight back I have a problem with that because you are not master chef material if you're going to let somebody take your kitchen away from you. I swear to God, if 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 a if like a, somebody came into your kitchen and decided, hey, you're not going to cook anymore. I'm going to cook this, and we're going to do this menu, and we're going to do this. I I'd be pissed off. I wouldn't be like, okay, as long as the customer likes it, I'd be pretty pissed off. So, just saying. All right, so um. Francis B is getting competitive. It does put the red team ahead at this point in the show. Um, we cut to the blue team and we see that, as I've always said throughout the season, Francis L is a little bit too caught up on making everything look good, which is great. And that's kind of like his asset that he uses, especially in this episode with purple cauliflower puree. I mean, that's, that's a gamble. Um, He's a little bit caught up on looks and it is slowing them down, but everything looks good. So it's, it's, it's kind of a trade off because cooking is an impartialment of all five senses. So you need to see it. You need to smell it. You need to have the, the texture of it. You need to like, it's a, it's a complete experience. So if it looks like crap, it tastes good. It, you're still like going to lose points to something that looks average and tastes okay. You, that'll probably win over something that looks bad and tastes good. So I do agree that there is a good, good, um, there's a good side of that. So red team finishes appetizers first, but blue team gets, falls a little bit behind because of the cold scallops, because there is too many elements and they're plating 10 dishes at a time with several levels of, uh, garnish and the sauce and the scallops need to come off at the same time and they're doing three scallops per plate. So that's about 30 scallops cooked perfectly at the exact same time with, two other sides of the kitchen coming together to create the appetizer. That's some Hell's Kitchen crap right there. Um, we get Chef Ramsay bitching out Francis because he ditched the Stark starch, and Leslie throws Francis under the bus at this point for ditching the starch, but they come up with this great thing because they only have five to ten minutes. They create a cucumber fennel tomato salad, 
which eh, it wouldn't have been as good. It's not as good as potatoes for this dish if they're going to do broccolini and sea bass. But you know what? We can let it slide. It's at least something that could actually fill the plate and make it not look like you're spending $30 for a plate that is $10 worth of food. I mean, not saying sea bass is cheap. I'm just, that's, you know, customer reaction to the plate. Um, so we are actually introduced to their plates at this point. They're completed entrees. Uh, the red team is the sea bass with spicy broccolini and the cucumber fennel tomato salad. And the blue team is a seared sea bass with a purple cauliflower puree with white asparagus and lemongrass bear blanc sauce, which I've already told you guys what bear blanc sauce is. And they decide that they're going to put it together and give it to the bride and groom. Oh, in between this, Jordan was just zoning out walking around the kitchen like this. If you're listening, yeah, he's just literally trying to look busy, but he just looks like a deer caught in the headlights. And honestly, you might as well get out of the hell, get the hell out of the kitchen if you're going to be doing that, because you're just going to be in people's way. And when you're in people's way, things get dropped. And when things get dropped, you're two portions short for freaking fish. But that didn't happen, but they were still two portions short for freaking fish this, this episode. Um, the bride likes the blue team. And she says she really likes the beer blanc sauce. That's not something that I would expect somebody to really know what it is. So I was kind of surprised she said it in those words as opposed to just saying, I like the sauce. And the groom decides to go with the red team because it has a little bit more of a kick. Um, and then we get a nice little freak out of Christian just kind of losing his cool with Tyler eating. And yeah, so I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of like a two-way thing there, though, because a chef is always supposed to try the food to make sure it's good, but it doesn't really apply to sea bass, so it depends on what he was eating that I'd really have a problem with this. Um, I think Christian was probably just under a lot of stress and finding somebody to take it out on, which, you know, it is cool, but, you know, you shouldn't be doing that before the competition. You should, I mean, you shouldn't be doing it during the competition. I guess if you need to, you should probably just take it out on yourself and just yell the F word if you really need to, but I would probably avoid that because the wedding party is about a hundred feet away. Yeah. So they are two fish short. Of course, Christian's like, yo, did Tyler eat it? We don't really know what happened to the fish, but in the end, four people get half portions because if you have two fish short, you have to take two other fish, cut those in half, and then you get four people who are kind of screwed up in this socialist um, fish eating party. I made uh, I made our, our engineer laugh on that one. You gotta love the socialist fish. Um, so blue team, on the other hand, just knocked it out. Everyone has, I mean, you have the artistic personalities on that team. Everyone's just kind of worked together, knocked everything out. It, it's it all started with having a set goal in mind. As soon as you get into it, you can't you can't take half measures when you have a team of people waiting on your every word because then. You have probably about 30 seconds, I'd say. When you walk into a kitchen, you need to make something happen. Or even like as a producer, when you walk into a production, like you have five people listening to you, you have probably 30 seconds to get your point across exactly what you want and at least the idea of cross to make them be like, okay, this is what we're doing. Before one guy is thinking, wait, what's going on? And then he, you've lost him. Another guy is thinking, I think we should do this because I'm better than this guy. And you've lost him. Maybe somebody else is thinking, what does this guy know? I don't really trust this guy. And you've lost him. So 
You got 30 seconds. Francis went into it knowing exactly what he wanted to do, and I'm sure he decided that right when he heard scallops and sea bass, because there's not too many different variations you can do with scallops and sea bass. Um, also, I do want to, I do want to point out doing the, uh, let me see here. That was kind of a, uh, that was kind of a frou-frou, um, sea bass Oscar, wasn't it, Francis? Cause, uh, the Beer Blanc is like the, is like the Hollandaise, then you have the white asparagus. That was a very, like, light sea bass Oscar. I, I just realized that. That's actually pretty, pretty interesting. I will, I will give you props for that. Um, yeah, sorry, totally got sidetracked there, cause I just kind of had it click in my mind. Um, so the one worry that people were having was that blue teams might not have been flavorful enough because they didn't use anything that really gave it a kick, if that would make sense, because purple cauliflower has a very mild flavor. Using the butter sauce has a mild flavor. The fish has a mild flavor. So, you know, it's it's a nice light dish, and it definitely goes for seafare on the beach, but maybe if you had thrown some cayenne pepper or used something in that likeness to kind of spice it up. But again, it's dangerous to do that because you overspice a fish with anything spicy. It adapts the flavor and you are screwed because everybody's wondering why the hell their fish is too spicy. And then when you have a wedding, it's a lot of old people and old people do not like any sort of spice. So then maybe they'll all hate it because you have spice. Not to classify old, old people, guys. I'm sorry about that. But from my experience working in restaurants... If somebody over the age of 60 asks of something spicy and you say no and it has about an ounce of pepper in it, they're probably going to freak crap and tell you to send it back and recook it. Because, honestly, um, that demographic does not like having very strong spices in their food. Unless they are like my uncle who will eat everything Thai spicy and then just laugh about how not spicy it was. Anyway... So the judges discuss, both did well, but who won? Bride delivers the verdict by tossing a bouquet in true wedding flavor. Mazel tov, I'm going to drink to that. Ah, Pacifico Clara. We're not doing a live read for that. Um, the winner is the blue team. As you could have probably seen, no amount of editing in this show could have made the red team look like it was neck and neck at this point because they were missing two fishes. They had so many problems in their kitchen and it was just fairly, fairly obvious that the blue team was going to win about 20 minutes into the episode. Um, right after, not even 30 seconds after the verdict is decided, we have a fight on the red team. Round one, fight. Leslie and Aaron. <sighs> Leslie's telling Aaron to grow up. She's freaking out. Um, you know, I don't want to be so prejudiced against Aaron for her age, but I need to, I need to just say this to her because she is promising with the, with her skill and everything in this competition. I really hope that as we progress in this competition, she will be more, a little bit more mature and be able to handle this. Again, he's telling her, he's telling her to grow up. She's, Okay, she's too young to be in this competition, and I don't mean that as a age thing, I mean that as a maturity thing, and it's just kind of, I agreed with Leslie in the in the whole fight, and he's kind of being an asshole, and I still agreed with him. This isn't high school. People should not be that upset by somebody mispronouncing their name when it's A-H-R-A-N. I mean, I'm sorry if people can't, if... 70% of people cannot pronounce that immediately correctly the first time. I understand that he's heard it a few times and he should know it, but at the same time, the first time he did it, I'm sure he didn't do it on purpose, so you shouldn't be holding that against him in a fight later on. Let it go. And 
You don't need to say please in a kitchen. You do not need to say please in a, in a studio. I deal with this all the time and I can't stand it. If I ask you for something, if I ask somebody who works for me for something, especially an intern, I hope they're not watching this because they know who they are if I say this. Everything is so fast paced. Everything is so ride or die. You need this done. You don't need this done, please. You don't need this done, please, honey, with sugar on top. You need this done now so you can succeed and so you can make a good product. And I can't stand people who think that they need manners in a workplace. Yes, manners are important. You should always say please and thank you when it's the right time. But when you're in a kitchen and it's stress is high and everything's just dealing with it, you're never going to have a sous chef or a head chef talking to you. Hey, sweetie, are those are those scallops coming? Are are they coming? Oh, five more minutes because you burned one. Oh, you know what? That's okay. Okay, yeah. You're going to have a guy. You freaking burned scallops. Are you freaking kidding me? We have two plates that are waiting on 15-minute cook times. What the hell are you thinking? That's what you're going to get. You're not going to get please. You're not going to get thank you. You're not going to get sorry. You're going to get get this crap done. And I'm sorry, Honor, if you're too... If you're too young to know about that, then this actually is going to be a good learning experience for you because it just drives me crazy when people get out of college, they get out of high school, and they think that the world is all sugar and spice when really everyone's an asshole and you got to learn to deal with them. But once you learn to deal with them, you're you're riding with the big boys. Um. Anyway, sorry, that was kind of a rant, but I think it kind of needs to be said, and I think a lot of people on Twitter agree with that because that's kind of what I've been reading on the tweets here. Again, nothing personal. You're a good chef. Just mature a little bit. You'll be great. You just need to realize that people don't care about your feelings when they're trying to get something done. All right. So we are moving on to the pressure test. All right. So the blue team chilling on the balcony, watching the red team, and only three people will compete. What a twist. Leaders choose which people compete, or so we think, and Leslie just goes off and that was a perfect landmine for gordon ramsay to set it's just so great for the show it brings up so much drama and just makes everyone watching laugh so hard at him when they find out that he doesn't get to choose he says christian he seems to know everything and do everything but i haven't seen him perform he chooses daniel i was on daniel's team and i killed myself for him and he just killed himself and he and he just killed himself for me. Like, he wouldn't do it for me. I think I wrote down the quote wrong. And then he says, Iron, again. <laughs> and he says, we just can't see eye to eye. And then Gordon says, well, unfortunately, it's not your choice. And we're like, oh, shit. And uh, that's some tea right there. And that is some great production because that is just, it's just like you just aired everything out in the open and just threw everyone under the bus. And it's so perfect. At this point, I don't think Leslie even cares about making friends. I think he really just is going to rely on himself, which is great. I love that. It's great to have somebody who doesn't need any help from anybody. But at the same time, you do need a kitchen that respects you because you'll see that you'll crash and burn just like today, Leslie. Sorry. All right. So... Gordon chooses, Leslie is competing, Graham chooses, Jordan is competing, and Joe chooses, and Francis B is competing, and Daniel feels terrible about it, terrible about it, oh, yeah, well, you're the one who mutinied and made him the leader, so you should, so it's kind of weird to see 
only three people competing, and it's kind of weird to see two front runners competing because Leslie's a front runner. Francis B is really a front runner with his techniques and with the dishes he can create. So I like seeing that, but at the same time, it's just such a no brainer who's going home at this point that it's kind of I don't know. It was like as soon as as soon as you see Leslie and Francis B, you're like, okay, well the other guy's going home. Which, at this point, you don't know that, but, like, if you've been watching the show, you know that. Um, so, it's also the first time we see only three people in this kitchen competing, and it's kind of crazy to see the kitchen that empty with all these people working, when usually we see so many people working in it, and I guess now we're down to 16 for next week, so, I mean, it's only going to get even more empty. So, what are we going to cook? Let's cook some medium roast steak from, uh, I guess they didn't do a Walmart commercial. They totally could have gotten ad space here for that. But anyway, so it's medium roast steak with steak free. It's basically fries and steak, which is a European dish that he says the Americas now owns because we love our French fries and we love our steaks here. I was really hungry during this because it looked really good. And Gordon Ramsay knows how to cut into a steak and make it look delicious. Perfectly seasoned. They're grating on seasoning, searing, and a medium rare. They have 30 minutes to complete this challenge. Francis B is confident. He says he's the best, but we see him putting his fries in the fryer about 15 minutes before the end of the competition, and that is never a good sign. But he is also using butter, herbs, and garlic while searing to baste the steak as well, and that actually looks freaking amazing. So, one of the problems that we see with this competition is um, Jordan, who is kind of... um, Let's see, where is it in my notes? So, Jordan, first of all, your steak is very, very, very thick. And it's not even that it's too thick. It's that you have this gigantic thing of, like, this gigantic strip of fat on it that you did not do anything at all with. You just left it on, which is a big no-no, especially when you're serving Gordon Ramsay, because I'm sure he doesn't like fat on his steak. Anyway, and then he tries to sear it in a pan that is not too hot. You guys... The first, if you're going to make a steak, if you're going to sear a steak, the first thing you do is throw the pan on the stove. Then you work on your steak. Then you maybe like put your seasonings and everything on it. And then you make sure that pan, pan is damn hot before you put it on there. Because as we all know, searing is not like, searing is not slowly cooking. Searing is you are basically cooking the edge of that steak and all the way around it as fast as you can not really as fast as you can but you know what i mean very quickly so the inside doesn't get cooked too much because you want a nice medium rare you want it to bleed a little bit you don't want it to moo but you want it to bleed a little bit and you want a nice cooked outer rim and of course once you cook that outer rim and once you sear it that seals the heat inside so the steak continues to cook after you take it off the skillet well he is using a colder pan than needed, so yeah. And just presentation-wise, if you get a steak with about an inch rim of fat that big, you're not really going to be too appetized to eat it. I mean, I'd still eat it. I'm not, I ain't going to front. I'd, I'd eat the crap out of that steak. But yeah. Um, Francis's fries. Let's see here. Um, Francis... Okay, this is this was this was kind of hilarious. Um Francis put his fries in a little bit too early and his steak came off a little bit too early as well. So he we're worried that he's gonna have a cold steak, 
But then, like, his steak is kind of, it's great, it's based in that butter, but it could use a little bit extra. And then the fries don't really have too many, too much seasoning on it. So we get Courtney from the rafters, like, hey, make a comp, make a compound butter. Hey, you want to buy some drugs? I mean, that's what kind of it seemed like. She was like, she's like, you want to buy some drugs? You want to buy some recipes? I'll sell you some recipes. Um, she's like, yeah, make a compound butter, take some herbs, take the butter, put it in the freezer, get that thing nice and hard and kind of let it infuse itself with the flavoring. And okay, <laughs> we get, we get Courtney standing up there talking to him. And then here comes Francis L sliding in. Don't help the competition. You gave her yeast, man. Come on. <laughs> You like you were the deciding factor in her survival and you're like don't help the competition. Now that you know what Ben play the Darth Vader theme song again. This is for you Francis L. Come on. Like that's so evil. You help somebody out and they're like don't help the competition when she's just telling him how to make a compound butter. God. Okay, you can cut the music. It's done. Um Courtney wants Leslie out. She says in confessionals, he's like, I hate him. He's an asshole. Then we cut to more people in a confessional. I hate Leslie. He's cocky. He's an asshole. And then Will- Willie's like, he's kind of an asshole, but he's a good cook. And Willie starts cheering him on. And I love that. I think that's amazing because it's like, you can't have so many people on one side. It just gets annoying. But Willie is just that guy who loves food so much that he can appreciate somebody in this competition to make good food. And I can really respect that. And I really love that. So they're plating all the steaks. And um, so Jordan's steak looks okay. Um, Leslie's steak looks amazing, but his fries look all right. And then Francis B's fries look great, and his steak looks great, except he's torching his steak after adding the frozen butter compo- I mean, a uh, compound, which is interesting, and I guess it worked out, but you really, I mean, if his steak was hot, he would not have needed to torch the butter, and when you're torching butter, there's kind of a worry there, because if you burn butter, it'll ruin the flavor of everything around it, because if, if, if you've ever had burned butter, you know the taste, and you can either like the taste or hate it. Most people hate it, and it's always kind of a problem if you are, like, let's say you're cooking eggs or something, and you put the butter in first, and the pan's too hot. You know that smell that you get a big whiff of. You know that taste that your eggs take on the take on the feel of. That's the kind of thing that can adapt itself to your steak, and when you're making a steak to decide whether you're staying in this competition or leaving, that is a big freaking no-no, but... It apparently worked out for him. So the judging goes, Leslie first, Gordon's uh, grating Leslie's steak. Uh, Leslie says it's a secret butter sauce with raw herbs for plating. Gordon hands him the raw herbs and tells him to put that shit back. Pardon my French, you know, whatever. Uh, Gordon says the steak is perfect, medium rare, and the fries are soft and limp. Alrighty then. Well, steak looked great, cooked great. This competition is how to cook a steak. Honestly, fries are kind of secondary because the steak is really the most important part. Honestly, I'm so kind of baffled at how these people don't know how to freaking cook fries. All you do is put them in the fryer and wait for them to get crispy. Literally, that that's the thing to do. I mean, if you can't wait, you shouldn't take them out before they're ready. And it's kind of like I know I know there is a there's an art to taking them out when they're done before letting them be burned and letting the oil sog them too much. And you got to make sure there's not too much oil on them to get sogged. I know that, but come on, guys. Like, it's fries. This is Master Chef, 
And your fries were soggy. Come on. Anyway, Jordan has Graham Elliott judging his dish, which is a uh, steak with a nice big strip of fat. It's medium. It has a good flavor. Uh, the fries could use more color, which means they're a little bit undercooked. But the fries had good seasoning, so they're not going to dash them too much on that. But in the end, the steak was medium. And it looked a little bit more medium well to me on my TV. But I don't know. I'll leave you guys to decide that yourself. Um, and leaving it down to Francis B., which honestly, I think he's... One of the best chefs on the show right now in terms of technique, skill, and how to make a amazing dish. Like, I would hire him in any kitchen in a heartbeat with the way he can create a menu and create dishes that are delicious. Um, so, he is graded by Joe. And Joe says his steak is medium, which is disappointing. And Joe always gives that, like, totally deadpan, like, steak is medium. And I'm surprised he didn't walk away at that point. But his steak is medium, but it tastes really good. It has a thyme rosemary butter. It's basted secondary after being cooked. Um, it apparently took on the flavor very well. And then it had a thyme and rosemary fries. But there were, aside from the crispy fries, there were some soggy fries mixed in, which is never a good sign. Uh, the decision is... <laughs> the person who is... Who cooked the... Uh, Gordon's basically explaining the competition. This competition was all about creating a good steak, medium rare, and the person who is safe tonight and already stepping forward before Gordon even says it is Leslie. And everyone on the balcony is like, oh. and Leslie steps forward and it was Leslie. Join your best friends, Graham says. And yes, his best friends are on the balcony. And then who's going home? And I wrote in that point, I said, it's going to be Jordan because Francis is good. And yes, Jordan is going home. He is 19. He has a promising career in his future because he's actually pretty good. And especially this is one hell of a thing to throw on your resume. He's crying. It's kind of emotional. He goes forward, shakes the chef's hands. I mean, this is like a no hard feelings kind of exit. I feel like the, there's no way that the young people in the show are really going to win because they just do not have, they have the imagination, but they do not have the technical skills and they don't know, they don't really have the flavor base, I don't believe, to really create a dish that is as layered and as aromatic and well done uh, to really appeal to Gordon, Graham, or Joe. But I think that Aaron could go pretty far and I think that, I mean, Jordan did fairly well for where he's going. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you know, he made it to top 18. I guess that's good. Um, so that's the episode. The preview shows winners from last year, the winner from last year and the winner from the first MasterChef Junior coming in. And it also teases that somebody brings up a dish that somebody, that somebody else cooked, but it said no, that they themselves did not cook. So that could actually be a play on words and they're creating false drama. So I think that's actually predictions. So let's go ahead and move into predictions. And now. You're after Buzz TV predictions. All right, so predictions. I don't know what Kyle Kittleson predicts because he has tooth surgery. I don't know what Tracy predicts because she's busy with other stuff. So I guess it's just up to me. I'm gonna just do a quick prediction about next episode. I think that um, when he says that somebody brought up a dish that they themselves didn't cook. I think it's going to be like a play on the words of that. I don't think they'll have cooked it. I think something else will have cooked it for them in a way that's... I don't really know how to say that. I don't think it's going to be another contestant who cooked it, if that makes sense. 
I don't know, maybe it's a ceviche, which is cooked with lemon juice, and they technically didn't cook it, or maybe it's just not cooked, maybe it's like a sushi, or maybe it's a, like a foie gras, or maybe it's, um, like a beef tartare. I'd, I'd be interested to see a beef tartare take something in this competition, because it's really hard to make that taste good with, but they have really such great ingredients in their pantry that they could really pull off something great with that. But with that said, this has been me talking to you guys for 39 minutes and 30 seconds because apparently I know how to run my mouth. I am your host, Stephen Lemieux. Thank you for joining me for the MasterChef After Show for Season 5. The episode is Top 17 Compete. Um, if you would like to follow me on Twitter, again, that's at Stephen Lemieux, S-T-P-H-E-N-L-E-M-I-U-X, or you can find me on the Californication Finale After Show this coming Sunday, as well as The Strain starting in July. If you want to, I would definitely recommend you guys go to iTunes and rate and comment and give us five stars and subscribe to the podcast. We are top eight out of ten, and we do 60 shows a week here, so being top eight is pretty awesome, uh, because Jordan is just top 17. Um... Also, go to our YouTube, uh, type in youtube.com slash afterbuzztv and search MasterChef and go ahead and three of us a comment and give us a little thumbs up on our YouTube for all of these shows that we do. We're doing this whole season, so it'd be good to have the uh, commentary from you guys and we'll answer back and we'll give you some shout outs. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any people from iTunes to shout out yet, so you guys got to get on that. Anyway, this has been the after show for MasterChef. Thank you for joining me, and we will see you next week for another episode of the MasterChef AfterBuzz TV After Show. Thank you. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.